Hi, my name is Dick Kuchin. I'm here in Newport Beach with Happening Now with Hammer. With Hammer. Hey guys, welcome back. We've got a fun day today. Uh, I'm sure, you know, especially all you athletes out there and non-athletes, you probably had that coach, that beloved coach, that coach that really helped you. How about you, Adam? Did you have one of those? I did. I think what my soccer coach when I was eight was instrumental in letting me know what not to do and what sports to not pursue. He called me pockets because I didn't have the right <laughs> shorts for soccer. And I would stroll around looking at dandelions with my hands in my pockets. So shout out to the Peninsula Athletic Association for letting me know to try surfing instead. Hey, and I really <laughs> want to thank you guys for giving my cousin a water boy position, man. <laughs> it's cold. And that's what I call high quality cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, today, Cooch, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's fun to be here. Hey, we've got a coach that has coached at Notre Dame, Yale, Cal. I mean, you name it, one of the greatest coaches ever. And I'll tell you something. Just like Adam said, there's a lot of young men and now older men that have a lot of respect for this guy and learned a lot from this guy. So, Cooch, tell us, tell us a little about yourself. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting story, I think, you know, and I hope your audience finds it interesting as well. I'm sure they will. In that, uh, you know, I, I was uh, a, a basketball player in college and had a very, very good career and then had the opportunity to be selected to go to the uh, St. Louis Hawks rookie camp. Let, let me ask you a question, though, Cooch. You, you, something that's really exciting to Adam and I, and I'm sure our audience, you went to Europe before you did that, didn't you? No, actually, the general manager of uh, the St. Louis Hawks was a guy by the name of Marty Blake that most people in athletics would be familiar with. And after I was released from the Hawks, which was, you know, a, a very, there was only 12 NBA teams at the time, um, about uh, 12 of us joined a team called the Gulf All-Stars, and we toured Western and Eastern Europe. Well, uh, let me back up on that a little bit. Adam, can you believe that? There was only 12 NBA teams. What's, what's today? 24, 30? No, probably in the 30s someplace. In, I, you know. yeah. in the 30s, and there was only 12. So what is that, 144 players? Or, I mean, how many men around the globe got to play in the NBA back then? Uh, yeah, to scrap for those positions, for sure. I mean, yeah, They scrap are, nowadays, but back then, cooch. Well, kudos. you know, it's interesting because the players that I had, even uh, during my coaching career, uh, a lot of times you'll hear people come up and they'll go, and I had great names and great college players, but maybe one or two guys were kind of at the end of the bench and collecting their salaries, and, and they were really good players. And people would go, well, well that, I'm not sure how good that guy is, but believe me, anybody on an NBA team that you're watching, I don't care where he's sitting. If he's sitting on the bench, out on the floor, he's a great basketball player. It's just such a narrow band of of uh, terrific players. I, I think that has to be understood like from all levels of skill and observation as like even an audience member because there Absolutely. is nothing more embarrassing than being a couch athlete and <laughs> sitting with two Budweiser's down the throat saying you can catch a touchdown better than that fucking wide receiver. So I, I think that's always a good thing to keep in mind. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a, I, <laughs> I do very well on the couch, okay? I mean, come on. Defensive line starting Newport Beach on the couch, right? Yeah, here. on the couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell us. Well, 
Well, you know, it, it, when you mentioned Newport Beach, it's interesting. I did have one of our players at Notre Dame was a point guard, a guy by the name of Rich Branding, who played at Marina High School, nice. uh, not too far away. And uh, he was actually coached by uh, a guy that I had become uh, an assistant for, Lute Olson, who uh, was a f- very famous coach at the University of Arizona. But there were also other guys, you know, that you, you, you take a look at these players that are playing in the NBA, uh, you know, certainly at – uh, at the University of Iowa, which was one of the places I started at, we had a fellow by the name of Fred Brown. Now these guys are all really old now, but Kevin <laughs> well, Kuhnert, that's okay. We got you know. And at Iowa, Lambeer and Trapuca and Hanslick, Orlando Woolridge. That was a Final Four team uh, at Notre Dame. Well, everybody knows Lambeer. Yeah, they do. He was one of the uh, bad boys for the Detroit uh, franchise. Uh, and and you know, the interesting thing about him was, I had a player at Yale that was drafted in the NBA. His name was Chris Dudley. And uh, Chris and I still remain great friends. And one day, Chris came up to me when he was playing in the NBA and said, Coach, you really like this guy, Bill Lambeer. How could you possibly like him? And I said, why? Why are you asking me that question? He said, well, I played against him. And the guy is so physical, moving me all over the place, bordering on fouls. And I said, let me tell you something. Nobody likes Bill Lambeer that plays against him. The guys that really like Bill Lambeer or his teammates. They love Bill Ambrose. Of course. <laughs> well, you were a great rebounder yourself. And we were talking about uh, our friend Dennis Rodman, who's an awesome, you know, rebounder. You have to be physical in that position, don't you? You really do. I mean, and you have to be physical. And uh, one of the things that was fortunate for me is each of the institutions I worked at, Yale and Notre Dame, in Iowa, uh, I developed uh, uh, big guys that all played in the NBA. And uh, part of it was just, you know, taking, taking people and, and teaching them what to do. These guys all had great athletic ability. But uh, and I'm sure Rodman would tell you the same thing. He probably knows where a basketball is going as soon as a player shoots the basketball. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Ah! I got it. I got it. I got it. Well, they have that innate, um, you know, innate deal to, to 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 get in the right place at the right time, and then the ability to move people out of the way without getting a foul called. That's crazy. You know, the thing I'm really interested about, and and it, it, this has got to be a hard transition. I heard Deion Sanders talk about this um, from a player to a coach, and that's a really difficult thing to do for most people. It is, and, and I think a lot of guys have not been successful, but then there are a lot of, lot of people that have. The, the coach of the uh, Warriors right now, a fellow by the name of Steve Kerr, was a great player uh, at the University of Arizona, and he got into the NBA, but he fit a role, and th- those guys are, might be a little bit different than the guys that were the superstars that have tried to go and, and, and coach a basketball team. Um, so, so a, a lot of times there's different paths. It's always been interesting to me. Uh, the paths that people take uh, in coaching are so different. You know, some coach in high school, some coach at junior college, then they move up the ranks to college, and then uh, and many get into the pros. How did you stumble into this deal? Well, it, it's kind of an interesting story. You know, I, I, I was doing something that I didn't like that well in, in sales after I came back from Europe and playing in Europe. And I was playing in the Midwestern League, and uh, there was an owner of a uh, art school in Pittsburgh, and he said, "Hey, wouldn't you rather coach a team?" And and so I said, "Okay, look, I'm going to give this a run," you know. And uh, 
So I coached the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. This would only prove that people, all people have to start someplace. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's back up. The Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Of Pittsburgh. So were you ta- what, teaching no, painting? Well, Come on. What is no, <laughs> you, you wouldn't think so, but it was really a blast. And you know what? The other thing that happened is it got me hooked. You know, it, 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 well, you it showed me what my... I was hooked, but on the playing side of it, not the passion of coaching and teaching kids. And that team went on. Uh, there's, a, there's a league called the Little College uh, teams all over the United States. That team went on. They only lost one game, and they lost in the finals to, uh, to a, a team down in Tennessee. And, and so that really got me going. And, and the following year after that, I had a chance to... Uh, uh, was asked to coach at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, where I was the, uh, in order to take that job, though, I had to be the assistant basketball coach, the head golf coach, and the sports information director. <laughs> <laughs> and you did bathrooms and windows? <laughs> no, not bathrooms. Well, you know, I was probably, in, 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 in coaching golf, I was probably responsible for driving the van. That was, uh, you there, know, there, you there you go. I, I, I was okay at the sports information director, but I made one tragic mistake. In the football brochure, uh, on one page of the coach in Raleigh, Missouri, I, rather than having head football coach, I substituted the D for the H, and it was dead football coach. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about that is that brochure went out all over the place, and the only guy that recognized it was that coach in Missouri. He was the only guy. <laughs> and he was but, pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, computers weren't around that time. You know, right. so they, they, nobody picked up the mistake, believe it or not. They didn't have a copy editor that was uh, checking your... Uh... No, no, they didn't. But, you know, the, it, uh, you know, I was only at Washington U for, for in uh, St. Louis for one year. It's a great school. And then I had the opportunity, uh, the assistant coach, the head coach was leaving. I was offered the head coaching job there. But before we go there, Cooch, the, sure. the, the thing that I, I'm... You know, what strikes me about this whole thing, and I, you guys tell me the same thing, but uh, Cooch is talking about paying his dues, right, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. This is pounding the pavement and getting started. You, you have to pay your dues, and that's what the man did. So th- that's part of the lesson, right, Cooch? Uh, definitely. You know, and people today, I think, don't realize that, you know, maybe they'll go along and they'll say, hey, they want to start at the top rung of the ladder, you know, and it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. And when you said, how do people get from point A to point B, any of the really great coaches that I've met along the way, um, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've started at the bottom of the ladder. They work their tail off. There might be a volunteer assistant, and then they move up the ladder. They're recognized as being a good, solid teacher. Uh, and then when they catch, catch a break, they'll take full advantage of it. Well, it's the old saying, you got to do the time. You know, you have to do the time. And how hard is it to work with some of these young players? Because I'm sure there's some of them, uh, you know, I was probably guilty of it myself that think we know everything, right? (laughs) So we really don't want to be coached because you used to do it and I'm doing it, right? Well, the game has changed dramatically, but I don't think there's any difference. When, you know, one of the things you do as an assistant coach is you're responsible for recruiting good players because the only way to get good is either develop players that are in your program or go out and find them someplace. Oh, 
So I sat in a lot of living rooms of a lot of players and sat down with their parents. And one thing that I learned pretty quickly is most young guys that are really good high school players really think they're going to play in the NBA. They don't realize how tough it is to get to to that position. And uh, I think the guys that are willing to be taught and learn and get better uh, have a a really good chance of, uh, of reaching their goal. You know, that's a good segue. Hey, Joe Rogan, call me. I need to learn how to do this, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Always learning, that's right? Great. But so what was your favorite absolute, give me your favorite A story in your career, that the one that comes to your mind? Well, you know, I, I, if anybody had watched uh, the Joe Montana uh, uh, deal with the stunt on Peacock recently, I, I, I wound up in the cutting room floor with a lot of stuff that I did. But w- well, one of the stories was that uh, when I was at Notre Dame, Joe Montana was third on the depth chart in football. And I was the assistant basketball coach. And one of our players had gotten hurt. And I thought I had seen, I know I had seen Joe play in high school. He was a tremendous high school basketball player in Monongahela at a school called Ringlet High School. And uh, so I thought it would be a good idea to ask Joe if he'd like to come out for, for, for basketball. And, awesome. Uh, <laughs> when, when I asked Coach Devine that question, uh, and I really didn't clear it with Digger prior to, prior to asking that question, uh, Joe thought it was a great idea. I thought it was a great idea. Dan Devine didn't think it was such a great <laughs> did, idea. Did you get yourself into hot water? Uh, a, a lot of hot water. But, you know, Joe was third on the depth chart. He'd be a good example of somebody that just – you know, uh, was passionate about what he did and just kept pursuing and pursuing it because it wasn't until uh, the Purdue game uh, during the Notre Dame football season that two players in front of him on the depth chart got hurt and he got an opportunity to play and then took full advantage of his opportunity. And I've remained friends with Joe. We, we, we talk occasionally at different events that, uh, that we attend together. Uh, and he was good enough one time to sign a football for me and said, Joe Montana, I should have played basketball for you. But, <laughs> but I'm afraid that had he played basketball for us, he would have wound up with, you know, in a beer league in Monongahela <laughs> as opposed to wearing five Super Bowl rings, which right. might not have been the best thing in the world. Or on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, <say>. right. <laughs> but you know what? I would really recommend that show to uh, – to a lot of people, it's called Joe Joe Montana Cool Under Pressure, hmm. and it's about a six series uh, program. It's really fun. Well, uh, you know, I definitely uh, fell in love with Joe back in the day. I mean, he was the man, the myth, the legend. You know, he, he's a better he's a better pet person than he was a football player. Believe it or not, wow. he's just a great guy. Does a tremendous amount of work in the community still in the Bay Area. But, you know, there are so many stories, uh, Hammer, you know, just like anybody's profession, as you go from school to school, place to place, uh, you're taking teams over to Europe, you're working with young kids, there's always crazy things that happen, you know, and you're going, you're dealing with them and, and then kind of moving on.